All right, friends, welcome back to Nick and Dan's Bible Study Podcast. We're excited to be with you today. I'm trying to be calmer, Nick, at the outset because I get really right off the bat, I get going. And to tell <laughs> the truth, I'm excited, uh, not, not not just because of this subject. I just love doing this, you know? Oh, this is this is so much fun. And it's so like personally beneficial because of the study that goes yeah. into each one of these podcasts. It's like, I think, I don't know about you, but for me, what a growth opportunity. Like I'm learning stuff like I've never learned before. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, I, I love these occasions. And I, I think that, you know, maybe eventually, Nick, we have to go like on the road or something and do these conversations like like live with audience, uh, if you will, or congregational participation. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be fun? Can forget we find the, cool cool coffee shops to go do it in? Forget the forget the sermon. Just let us let us talk about the passage for 20, 20 or 30 minutes. It. Or whatever, it might be a longer, might be a longer message. But we could do it in coffee shops. We could do it in um, Angelina's Pizza and Ice Cream. Oh, that's wink, a great wink, idea, Dan. Wink, wink sponsorship. All right, let's get to our subject today. We're talking about elders and uh, or overseers or whatever uh, term you want to use. We'll talk some more about that. We're we are in First Timothy chapter three. Uh, last week we talked about the um, instructions to. Um, to the women and the problems going on there in Ephesus. And now we're moving on to the next section, which is, um, uh, which relates to uh, overseers or elders. And that's something, Nick, that we've been talking a lot about over months of time uh, in the midst of this uh, podcast, other discussions mm-hmm. we've had as we talk about our local churches, um, elders. Uh, leadership, whatever, it, right, is a big issue and a big concern sometimes. Oh, it's such a big issue. I mean, a church that has a strong group of elders, it, you know, it's going to be a healthy church. A group, a church that has um, maybe more immature elders, uh, maybe even elders that don't qualify under these biblical descriptions, they're they're going to struggle. I mean, there's no doubt about it because. Um, the well-rounded giftedness that you're looking for in a good church, a healthy church isn't going to be there. Um, maybe the priorities of a good, healthy church aren't going to be there. And way too often, the burden of the church is going to place um, in an unnatural way on the on the back of the pastor without having a full-fledged leadership group around them to help them, you know, develop that church into a healthy church. So, yeah. Anyway. yeah. 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 I mean, I think the vision that we'll see uh, here and other places, you know, in the New Testament is that uh, you know, ministry is a, is a team, uh, a team event or what's sometimes called the plurality of elders, meaning that, um, you know, I, I think the, the biblical perspective isn't just a, a one person that's kind of the, the person, uh, in a given context, but that there is, that there is a team that works together, that serves together, that, uh, leads, if you will, together, that rounds each other out, that holds each other accountable, that grows together. And, um, you know, it's important that we take a look at these, uh, you know, at these scriptures, at these passages. Yeah. You're right, Dan. And it's important too, even on the onset, before we read any scriptures, it's important to understand as you're listening to this, um, you know, elders have a unique responsibility and it's not, it's not to be good business leaders. It's to be good spiritual, mature spiritual leaders of the church. And so we'll get into that in more depth as we go through this. But you know, again, in our modern culture, sometimes we equate good elders with, you know, oh, that person's a really successful business person or, or yeah. in some other way. And it's like, uh, that may be a good quality to have in an elder, but more yeah. importantly is where is their spiritual maturity? How do they live out their spiritual life? How do they understand Jesus Christ and how do they teach Jesus Christ to others? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the big stuff. It It, it is interesting though, 
that as we look towards the latter part of this passage about some of the things about kind of keeping your household organized and stuff, that it's possible that some, you know, the way that we operate in the workplace could have a, some bearing organizationally kind of on, on our ability to work with people and that kind of thing that's involved. Sure. But certainly that in and of itself does not make one qualified, right, to be, um, to be an elder, that there's, um, there's a lot more. Um, going on there um, right. to the story here. So let's get into let's get in this text, and um, we'll do some rooting around, right? We'll do some digging around. We'll throw out some things, uh, some suggestions, some options uh, for for kind of how we might look at this. And there's a lot of things that are kind of thrown out here that we don't exactly know precisely what they mean, what he meant by them. And so we have to kind of do the best we can with with what we have to work with. Um, I do just want to say one more thing at the outset, because uh, I just I just read it in doing some more research, and it's been we've mentioned it um, several times, or at least I have. I think it's important that we realize that these letters were not written simply to give a manual of church leadership to the church that was doing well. Right there, we we saw it back many many times that the reason these letters were written is because there's problems. Right. There's problems that needed correction. And as we move into this passage today, one of the ways that we correct major problems and even more so set ourselves up to avoid future problems is by having good, strong um, eldership, overseeing leadership, however you want to put it, right in place. And apparently that, that wasn't the case because this false teaching was allowed to, uh, to, to get in there, to creep in there. Right, this was not a brand new church here. They had had elders um, already, but they apparently weren't fully up to the task because Timothy had to stay there. Right. Uh, remember, Paul said the reason I told you to stay there. There was already elders there, but they weren't up to snuff. Whereas in Titus, Paul says, "Go back around because there's we didn't put elders in some of these towns in, in Crete yet. They need to be there." So. You know, Paul's really, it's, it is instructive for us. We have to have, it has to be owned on the local church level. And, you know, Nick, we're, we're chatting about offline, about different congregations that we know. And there's, when this isn't in place, oftentimes, out, not outside, but whatever other help needs to come in to help get things on track. But what we want is a future where the overseers, the elders in the local church are so strong and that we're connected with them the way that they were across cities and things like that to Paul and Timothy there that we can, we can trust and know that they're going to work things out. And when they need help that we can connect instead of us having to go in and saying, what are you guys doing? Right. You know, so there's a lot right. going on there, but I, I only say that to further kind of emphasize how important it is that we think deeply, robustly, biblically uh, about this stuff. All right. So do you want to, you want to read? You want me to read? Uh, why don't you go ahead and read? Okay. First Timothy chapter three. Uh, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Uh, I want to look at just that verse to, to, to start us uh, off, Nick, because there's several, uh, there's several interesting things there. Uh, one is that he uses this introductory phrase, uh, this saying is trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And this is the second time in this letter that it's popped up. Um, remember earlier in chapter one, 
uh, he said, uh, this saying is trustworthy that, uh, I think it's that Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners. <laughs> so, right. So when he says that, it's something that's, you know, it relates to a little bit of added emphasis. Do you think that's, right. that's fair to say? If he adds that in, this saying is trustworthy. Um, and uh, so a couple, a couple things in here. Uh, one thing I want to point out, Nick, to our, uh, to our, our crowd here, our crew, that's kind of interesting, is that the word office um, is not in the Greek. It's been supplied by the translator, which is just kind of interesting. Um, so in the, uh, in the NIV, it's uh, not included, but there's other. <laughs> so there is no perfect translation, uh, Nick. The NIV says, uh, here's a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task, which is kind of interesting. And I only point it out because some people are really just obsessed with the idea of the office, the right. position, the, the role, the, you know, the authority that's kind of invested in that slot, if you will, right. That's called an office. Um, and I'd like to suggest that perhaps that emphasis is read in by the translators because that's how they understand uh, the primary maybe function of that. Uh, and it's not, it's not irrelevant or maybe inappropriate, but I don't think it's where the emphasis of the, of the scripture actually lies because here we go right in, right in here, whoever desires, desires to be an overseer desires a noble task, right? So it's as much the function or the doing of it as the position of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, it's, you know, they, they, they overlap. Right. So like, you, you know, when, in the, we had an earlier episode where we looked at, uh, from the, from the book of Acts, Paul calling together the elders from this very town, uh, Ephesus. Right. So they, Well, we just lost our connection there for a minute. Are you back with me? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened there. You locked up on my side, but the video never cut out. All right, so let's get right back to it. Um, so the, um, you know, they knew, they knew who they were, obviously, um, and, you know, in, this, in the context of this makes it clear. Um, but I, I believe that the focus is, on, is on, the, on the what it is that they're responsible for more than the um, just because they sit in a particular seat, and uh, and sometimes we kind of get that way. Well, I'm the I'm the pastor, so this is how it is, or we're right. the elders, so this is how it is. Um, it's less that the person has authority because they sit in a in a particular seat, if you will, or in a role, and more what it is that those people are responsible for in the life of the of the church. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. I mean, it's, if you think about the task, when you say up uh, the noble task, I mean, um, you're, you're, you're setting yourself up as the example. You're, you're setting yourself up to show everybody else what it means to live 
as a, I'm going to say a more mature, I'm not sure how far I'll go with that word defining maturity, but you're setting yourself up as the example. People should be looking to you as an elder and, and answering the question, what am I supposed to look like in my life? Sort of the whole Paul thing of follow me as I follow Christ. Like, look at my right. example as I follow Christ. Right. Well, yeah. you know, that's, that's a pretty tough spot to be in. I mean, you know, you're, you're kind of like it or not putting yourself up on a pedestal for people to see. And it's not an arrogant putting it up. It's just simply saying, you know, yeah. uh, you know, as an elder, I should have my life together a little bit. And it's not, there's not a lot of, um, like perks, like it's not, they're not talking oh, yeah. here about like a job or career retirement package, you know, and stuff and all that. Now there probably was some, um, elders, you know, in that time that were financially supported, we have clues of that elsewhere, but it wasn't like whoever wants this job per se. So really you were in a sense, and, that, and that's the case with most of our elders today in the local churches. Um, you know, you're, having a responsibility, but there's not a lot of benefit for, for it. So Dan, it really the crown, requires maturity. Go ahead. The, the crowns come in heaven. Yeah. The crown, <laughs> the crown comes later, but you, didn't, you, ain't, you ain't got much now. So it would be, it would be easy, Nick, for somebody who was mature and humble just to say, eh, why should I bother with that hassle? You know? Right. And, and so it, you know, and so it's those who, you know, God is doing a maturity work in, but I think as we look through a lot of these things, they're not, they, they are qualities that are mostly simply qualities of maturity of Christ likeness. Exactly. Yes. Right. So it's not anything that like, I mean, as people grow, we should all be growing in this direction, but there's a level of accountability here, right? Right. With the overseers, um, with the elders, where it's not just like, it becomes not like, here's something that you should aspire to, but it's here's something, here's things that should characterize your life right now. This should be, this should be uh, a track record in your life of character qualities of maturity in following Christ that people can observe. Yes. Yeah, Dan. I mean, I think it's important too, for people to understand because uh, sometimes maybe we get the, the um, uh, misconception that, elders, it's about giftedness. And it is to a degree, it's about giftedness. I mean, there's certain qualities you should have in your life, but it really is about maturity, Christian maturity. How do you live out your life? What example do you set for others, right? So when we get into the, the qualifications and we talk a lot about their personal life, it really is, look, you are a model, you are an example. How do you live out your life? Are you living it as Christ, right? And it doesn't matter if you, you know, we've talked about this a lot and we'll talk about this a lot in every episode. It doesn't matter if you can quote scripture. Can you live by it? Can you, can you teach other people what scripture means in the way you live your life? Can you actually be salt and light, not only to the world, but also to your congregation to show them what it means to mature in Jesus Christ? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what, that's what maturity is when the, when the, when the word, um, when discipleship to Jesus has really shaped our lives, shaped our character that's the sweet spot for, for all of us. That's, that's discipleship, right? Or right. a major part of it when the word is not just head knowledge, but it's lit, it's lived out. And so, you know, Paul's going to be concerned that those who are overseeing uh, the flock, if you will, who are making sure that they're on track are themselves basically on track. Right. If you're off track and you're overseeing, everything's more likely to get off track. Right. Right. And, and and I don't want to dwell in this place because, uh, you know, I want to keep this on scripture and keep it upbeat. But if you, if you truly do look at the cases where 
um, nationally prominent Christians um, basically have, have been blown up in some way, you know, whatever it might be, you pretty much can believe that there was something going on in their life long before the crisis hit. I mean, right. you know, whether it was neglect of the family, whether it was neglect of their personal the devotional life, um, in some way, in order to be a healthy elder, you have to be doing, you, you have to be good at the disciplines. You have to be, you know, have a healthy prayer life. You have to have a healthy, um, uh, you know, um, um, time away and quiet with the father, you know, contemplation, yeah. uh, all these things should be a part of who you are. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of times when things go wrong, Nick, it's, you know, it's when people's eyes are open and they look back and they say, oh yeah, I should have seen this. Oh yeah. I should have seen right. this. Oh yeah. I should have seen this. And there's clues that pop up that we ignore because we don't want to see them or, you know, or whatever right. else. And, um, that's why there needs to be this proven track record. That's why he'll say one of the things is that they're not a new believer, right? And so they have there's time for this character um, qualities to sort of grow. But one of the things that's interesting, and I don't know, we don't just spend a lot of time on it, but we never really talk about it because it's interesting, is that he says if anyone uh, aspires mm -hmm. to be an overseer. So it's, it's interesting because, because like, that's not how it typically works out in, you know, maybe in what we call, you know, ordained or pastoral, whatever type ministry, that's more the case. But in the local church, uh, we don't often see somebody who says, you know, I think I want to be an overseer. Right. <laughs> more of a kind of like saying, Hey, would you consider this? You know, but, but that's, thing. that's really a cool thing. I mean, when you think yeah. about it, that that it would be so important to them. It, like, look, I want my role to be an example to others. I, I want to live a life so good that I can be an example. So to aspire to that is, is hopefully that you are understanding responsibility, but also that you have this intense desire to, to actually fulfill and, and love Christ above all things and live according to, you know, his commandments and, and, and his teachings. Um, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's interesting stuff, you know, but how that relates to how we kind of, uh, look for elders and stuff is an, is an interesting question. Right. Maybe one that, you know, in the local church, you guys can kind of wrestle with a little bit and stuff sort of, uh, you know, sort of how you, uh, how you think about that. Well, you know, throwing it out because it's the time of year where a lot of churches are, are going through their budget process and, and their selection of leaders. Um, you know, if you're listening to this and you're active in a congregation and maybe it's coming up on a vote where you're, you're going to have the opportunity to elect elders, my goodness, take that seriously. It's very, very important. Like look for these qualities in these people. Don't just assume and, and, and don't just vote for, you know, no, no disrespect to anybody, but don't, don't vote for somebody just because they're available, right? Yeah. Vote for somebody because they meet the qualifications of an elder and they have the heart of an elder. Well, and even more than that, Nick, I think that, um, that, that's a good point of application for everybody. Hopefully that's involved in a local church to think about and different churches have different, uh, methods, whether it be an election or an affirmation or appointment or whatever else. Um, but you should, if you're being asked to either vote for or to affirm uh, somebody for one of these kind of roles in different churches that are called different things, um, but it should be somebody that you, uh, that you look up to hmm. and that you, and that you say, yeah, that's a person who I believe is, is seeking to follow Christ. Right. Um, you know, now they, they may not be, you know, your exact personality fit or whatever else, but that should be somebody that, you know, that meets the, this kind of this picture that's being painted of somebody who has a good reputation, um, yeah. who you can look at and say, yeah, there's somebody that I can see, you know, Jesus at work in, yeah, their, in their a, life. 
as a believer who's going to make a decision or maybe have some impact on who becomes their next elder, remember, um, it's not just the members of the congregation that are going to be looking at these people. If you if you look traditionally throughout the church in the world, um, most people who criticize Christianity aren't criticizing Jesus Christ. They're criticizing a follower of Jesus Christ who didn't do it particularly well, right? In some yeah. way, they've they've not reflected Christ well, and therefore they are worthy of criticism. So again, as you look at the elders, the significance is that person's also going to be reflecting Christ within your community. Right. So, you know, take that seriously. This is the name of our Lord and Savior. Like we want to yeah. make sure that people that are representing him are doing it well. Yeah. You know, the other interesting thing is that as we talk about people that we usually call pastors who I, who I think biblically are, are elders or a type of elder, um, it's interesting when we look at things that we put out like job descriptions and stuff, they're so often based on skills and abilities. Right. Nick, how often do we really spend time in that process thinking about character? And right. even we can think about, I'm, I'm not really involved with the credentialing process that much myself, but how much do we focus there on people re being recognized as people of character as much as what do they know about these theological issues and that kind of thing? It seems to me like historically, in a lot of places, there's been a lot of em more emphasis on what you know than maybe who you are at certain right. times anyway. What a great point, Dan. I mean, again, um, I like to say this all the time, and, and it, it applies to elders. And as you said, pastors are a, a form of elder. Um, you know, don't don't strive to teach other people something you're not doing yourself, right? I mean, don't don't put yourself in that hypocritical role. Like, and I'm not saying you have to be perfect at what you're doing necessarily. I'm just simply saying, like, if you're going to tell other people that they should pray, then hopefully you're dedicating portions of your time to prayer. If you're going to tell yeah. people they should fast, hopefully you are exercising, you know, the discipline of fasting. Um, right. You know, don't be a hypocrite if you're going to step up again, if you're going to aspire to these roles of leadership and eldership, um, make sure you're doing so with integrity because uh, just like the people who, you know, just like, like James, I mean, you're, you're going to be judged at a different level. Um, right. This isn't a game. It's, it's eternity. So make sure that your heart's in the right place and you're doing it for the right reasons. Um, and you're doing it with integrity. Okay. So uh, as we move on to verse two, we're pretty much already kind of talking about um, these uh, the issues or areas. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. And um, that's kind of a, I, I think that there's a couple, and when I say I think this, I didn't, I didn't make it up. Uh, some research kind of indicated this, that it's interesting that this, this list of many things that are kind of um, fired off here between verses four and six are kind of bookended by this uh, idea of being above reproach. Um, and then um, in verse seven, uh, below must have a good reputation with outsiders. Right. Uh, these are these are things, Nick, that are evident in one's life on on both ends here. What he's saying is here is th these aren't just aren't just the secrets of one's heart. Although we know that the inner life right, works its way out, but basically that um, as we look at this whole picture, not only inside the church, but even out for those who aren't believers those who are overseers in the church should be able to be looked at as being that's, that seems like a good person. Right. Right. Like, like atheists and whatever, you know, people in the community should be able to look at our overseers and say, well, I don't agree with what they believe, but man, they're a good, good people. 
Right. You know, people I'd want to be friends with, I'd want to work with, um, and that kind of thing. Um, so above reproach, you know, we think about reproach, we're like, oh, like there, you know, that's a big issue and stuff and that kind of thing. And so, you know, many, you know, in our, in our current moment, um, are the attitudes that we have about other things too, is we just need to have a good, a good, um, a good solid character and witness in the church and in the community such that, um, and I think that's, that's a big part of the concern that Paul has with this, with this list. And, and here's the, here's the challenge, Nick, being students of this scripture as it sits. Um, are there other things that Paul might or might not mention if he was simply giving an account outside of a situation? I think maybe, uh, maybe not. It's speculative, but I think he really has this targeted because things were so messed up in Ephesus. Right. He, he was concerned that the entire reputation of the Jesus movement in Ephesus would be looked up, looked on at from even from the outside. And they'd be like, well, what is, what a mess that is. Right. Like, why, like, that's not, you know, why would we want to be a part of that? It's all screwed up. Right. Um, and, 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 that, and that takes me back to the modern day is, you know, again, that application, think about it. If, if, uh, if you as a believer, your church is that same way, you know, if there's just, it's led by people who are, are in chaos in their own lives or, um, you know, maybe destructive voices in the community. Well, yeah. How's the public going to view it? Again, they're, they're judging the church, not Jesus. They're judging the church. Yeah. And sometimes the church right. doesn't look like Jesus. Yeah. Right. So, you know, why is it that there's so much attention drawn to, uh, someone who serves in a particular role who has a major moral failing, right? Where there could be, there could be a hundred people in that same congregation with just as much of a thing and it wouldn't make any news. Right. Right. Yeah, um, but when that one person, and so you know that relates to this. Um, there is this added layer of responsibility, of accountability, um, that's significant. Yep, absolutely. Uh, here in this role, so um, overseer must be above reproach. And here's one that gets a lot of conversation going, Nick: the husband of one wife. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, well, I can I can list all these off, and then we'll see what we what we want to discuss uh, a little bit here. So, uh, <laughs> and by the way, this whole this whole list in the Greek is one sentence. Hmm. Uh, it's broken up here in English and kind of polished up a little bit, but really the sense in the Greek is he's just kind of rattling off these things. And I think Paul does that often in other cases as he, as he talks about either different kinds of sin or different kinds of po- positive qualities. He's he wants to paint a picture. Right. So it's not necessarily like a checklist, um, but, you know, obviously they, you know, they, it'll, it's, it's applicable here. So anyway, husband of one wife, sober minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household. Well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Yes. Um, there's a lot in there. A lot. Um, a lot in there. Uh, so, some, I mean, I guess we could, we could kind of check some off for us maybe that would seem obvious, right? Right. Uh, not a drunkard. <laughs> that's not really that, a... That's the one you go to? Which kind of... No, what... <laughs> What I said, Nick, if you would listen to me, 
is that we should be able to check a few of these off the list as being non-controversial, <laughs> right? Like someone saying, well, is it okay if I just get drunk once a month? <laughs> what exactly is a drunkard? <laughs> you know, how, how can I get away with still drinking a lot and still being okay? Right? right. But I guess, but Nick, here's part of the point of this. If, and I know this is a little, maybe a little bit controversial. I don't have a specific answer for it, but if Paul lived with you and I today and he was making a list, might he include some other things? Might he not include some things if they just weren't a major issue? Were there things that he included because of situations in Ephesus or situations among Gentiles, right? Like certain uh, Jewish audience didn't struggle with certain kinds of morality issues like the Gentile group did. So he probably wouldn't list off like sexual type things to the Jewish audience because they had a pretty strong sexual ethic already. Right. They had other issues. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's just interesting to continue folks to keep in mind, um, what kind of ties into the, the moment, the occasion, the context, and then, um, you, you know, how do we extrapolate from that? What's kind of timeless, uh, in the application here. And, uh, you know, one of the major th things that we, uh, that, you know, churches have wrestled with here is what is, what does the husband of one wife mean? Um, even just you know, for to start from just thinking about men here, does it mean, um, you know, was only married once and if their spouse died, they remain unmarried? Does it mean they're not divorced and remarried? Does it mean they don't have two wives? Does it mean, you know, does it mean that somebody who's um, single and celibate and faithful can't be an elder, you know, overseer? What does this mean? Right. And churches have struggled with this and wrestled with this. Right. Um, and, you know, Nick, again, it becomes one of those test cases for us. I think like we've been, we were talking about last week and with our live discussion, how do we navigate scripture in a way that's not overly literal, but that's not merely puts everything in this category of, of cultural context and dismisses it? You know, what's the, what's the right amount of literal? <laughs> What's the right amount of getting to the heart of what he's talking about here? And how do we, how do we navigate that? I don't think it's always crystal clear. I think it requires us doing the work right? sometimes, right? Digging into the scripture, um, digging into other scriptures and, and um, learning um, in that way. Uh, yeah. And, to kind of go there. And Dan, you know, I, I don't know how controversy controversial this statement will be, but I do believe that every single piece of scripture, the intent is not to take it literally. The intent is to take, is to, is to glean the intent out of it. Right. right. So, and, and I'm going to use this as an example, because I kind of laughed at it, but at our live discussion last week, um, you know, one of our followers said, Jesus wept. It, it's literal. Right. And I'm like, yeah. well, yeah, but even in Jesus wept, why is that there? What, what is the right. meaning of that when, you know, God made flesh basically weeps for his friend who, who just died, whatever it might be, or weeps right. over the city because he knows what's about to happen. What, you know, what does that mean? There's a meaning behind it. Yeah. You can take the literal, but if you stop there, you're probably missing the point. And I think that right. that can be read in a lot of this. You could go down this list and read it very literal and say, okay, only people that match this criteria have the authority to serve in this role. Yeah. You could take it that literally. Or you could simply look at it as a list of things and go, okay, wait a minute. 
not within our cultural expectation, but within God's expectation, the body of scripture, all of it. What's the theme behind this? What is the meaning behind this? You know, because the truth, the truth remains, right? You know, if we look at it from a cultural perspective, that can change over time. The criteria could change over time. What are the, yeah. Consistency of God's truth does not change over time. Yeah. The circumstances might. Yeah. So one of the things that we talk about in the more often it's the more academic setting, but it, it applies. It's, it's, you know, understandable for all of us as in our study of the Bible is one of the major factors that we think about is called authorial intent. What did the author of the text intend mean right. by trying to communicate right in that text? So in this case, Paul, what is Paul trying to get across here in these words? So, it becomes, you know, what does it mean? You know, that navigates a little bit of this literal whatever, like what it, you know, and obviously we don't know his mind exactly except for what he says here. What he also says elsewhere in other letters, right? We get an idea of how Paul thinks, of course, under the inspiration of, of God, right? Of the spirit, uh, the authority that Jesus gave him, you know, in the, in the, in the teaching there uh, as well. But I think that's, that's an important factor. You know, what is it that he's trying to say here? Because when we, when we make it too wooden, we can easily miss the point. And, and I picture sometimes Paul saying, oh my goodness, like don't get caught in the weeds, right. you know, between is this person who is mature in Christ, you know, but they're just not married. Like, right. they're like, oh, well, sorry. You're, like, you're a great, you'd be a great overseer, but if you would just get married someday, right. you'd be, you'd be all right. Um, you know, and yet, so, so the community of of wise believers has to wrestle with how this works itself out. Um, we also don't know, Nick, as it relates back to some of the conversation we've been having in last week, we got to kind of wrestle out how does this text relate to women mm-hmm. serving in different um, capacities in the local church? Um, what does it mean that uh, this this text seems, to my reading, to assume um, men uh, serving in this overseer role, uh, particularly in what we just spent, we're talking about there, right? Husband of one wife, like those are. Um, that description is not. It, it uses the terms that relate to gender in right. that context. So here comes the you know. So then we have to take that. And kind of run with it and say, well, why, uh, why is that the case? And, and even as it relates to it, you know, is he just assuming here that in that culture, time and place that most adult men would be married? So he could just say husband of one wife as a general thing that would usually be true, even though there might be exceptions, right? So, so is it? You know, and there's all kinds of options as we look at this. It was it the case that in that culture, time, and place, um, basically for them, only men would have been to the point of training and in the culture and the households and stuff, uh, either only or generally have been the ones that would have been serving in these roles, but not necessarily for different times and places. Right. So there's, there's, there become all these options that we have to wrestle with in thinking about how to take this text 
and take it to different places, different locations, different times, mm -hmm. different places. Right. Um, how much of this is just Ephesus where the women, as we saw last week, were having major problems. Right. And, and uh, that's in that, in that moment. And then maybe there weren't any, any of them at that point that were possibly qualified for that role. You know, how do we navigate these questions becomes pretty significant. It, it does because actually this, this passage, do me a favor here. And for those of you listening, take away the number three, take away all the verses and make it a letter, right? So you, right. The, the paragraphs feed into one another. You've got the paragraph that says, I do not permit a woman to teach. Then he goes into a little bit of the Adam and Eve story, but then he comes down and says, this saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to the office of overseer. So it's a continuation on that line of thinking. So he just said, I don't allow a woman to take the position over men, right? In this particular place in Ephesus. And then he goes on to explain what it does look like. And he's talking about a male role. So again, that complicates things. <laughs> in one sense, it makes it easy. Well, that's consistent to the letter in Ephesus. But right. is it consistent outside of that circumstance, right? Now, does it apply elsewhere? So again, remember, this is a this is Paul writing to Timothy right. about, a, about a specific issue. This is the same thing that theme that started last week in the podcast with the women idea. It's, you know, right. you've got to remember all those things. Yeah. So how do we navigate that? Because I think, and I, I, I think I riffed on this a little bit earlier in this episode, Nick, the general assumption, this is what I've, what I learned and have just assumed for a long period of time that these, these three letters that they're called the pastoral epistles. I don't really like that term anymore too much for them. Uh, but that the assumption is here's the manual for how to organize and operate a church. Right. For all, you know, for all time and place. Right. Um, but that's not what they say they are. Right at face value, it says, "Here's a letter from Paul to Timothy about what's going on there." Exactly. But yet he says, "Here's a trustworthy saying," yes. which kind of lends itself to. So again, we don't, guys, please don't hear us saying that. Oh, here's just an interesting piece from history to set aside. Right. Right. That, that that's not applicable to us today because we've said already in this episode that we think that it very much is. The point is that the the two. Nick, the two traditional options, the all the way right and the all the way left, for me, aren't satisfying. The all the way right, meaning we just take all the words at face value and simply speak them and apply them without thinking, without context. That's the kind of, you know, it's a caricature, but that's right. the right. The left is saying, oh, that was just Paul's opinion. That right. was just 2000 years ago. That's just a relic of history. That's the, that's the, le the left, if you will. Right. right. Neither one of those satisfy me. Um, I want to uh, take this and the early church took this and they said, this is valuable. This is Paul's apostolic authoritative teaching here in this, in this moment, in this context that, that, that can and should shape us and our thinking and, and our leadership, but we got to wrestle with these things, you know? And so Nick, I think as much as anything else, part of our formation is just learning to wrestle well with scripture. Right. Right. And, uh, and we want to putting take the time and the work it. into it. Right. Yeah. 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 Putting in, in giving people the, the tools, you know, Nick, if, if I give you a socket set and a, and a, and a ratchet and pliers and screwdrivers, like you still have to do the work to fix your car, right? Like, right. That, that, like those tools in and of itself aren't going to fix your car, but you can apply them 
to doing that. And so what we're trying to do, what seminaries should do and what our, our ministry training should do and, and our local churches should do is be giving people tools to work on scripture, right? And its application, um, you know, to our lives today and understanding it. Woo, that was a mouthful. Yeah, it's good. I mean, and again, I, I think a lot of people, this word maturity, right? A lot of people don't understand that when you give your life to Christ, when you make the commitment, right? You you answer the altar call or, you know, you're, you, you, you do whatever it is and you get baptized. That's the beginning. That's the beginning. You're, you're an infant at that point. It talks about that. You know, it must not be a recent convert. Um, you got to learn something. An elder should come with some experience. An elder should come with some uh, fruit of the spirit already in place, right? They should be self-controlled. Uh, they shouldn't be prone to anger. Um, yeah. You know, they should manage their household well because they understand the importance of taking care of, taking care of their wife in a biblical way as Christ yeah. takes care for the church, care of the church, um, you know, knowing how to not be exasperated by your children, but know how to raise them in a, in a, a successful way, because you're going to come in contact with a lot of people who aren't going to do things the way you want them to. How are yeah. you going to respond to that? Right. Yeah. Are you, are you going to respond with the fruit of the spirit? Or are you going to respond with frustration? Um, so that's as much a, a, a comment maybe for setting elders right now, uh, when you, when you serve out that role, how do you do it? Like, do you, do you do it the way you're supposed to under the Bible or does it frustrate you because you see so many people that, Oh, these people just need so much growth. Yeah, they do. Yeah. That's part of the role of an elder to help. <laughs> yeah. And I think Nick, as we look at this list, a lot of these things are really important and honestly, not usually that's maybe an overstatement, not typically the qualities that we lift up for our leaders, for our mm -hmm. elders. So for example, things like, um, self-controlled, uh, how about hospitable? How yeah. often do we, do we think about that? Um, uh, not violent, but gentle. Are we, are we gentle? You know, do oh, we, correct, do we correct gently? You know, I, or do I do we, all the time, Dan, or do we yell a lot? Quarrelsome, <laughs> quarrelsome, you know? Right. Um, those things kind of, you know, kind of pop up. Um, a lot. One of the things that makes, we should talk about this for a couple minutes. We're 42 minutes in now. So we, <laughs> yeah, gonna, we're going to have to hold over some of this discussion probably for our live chat on Tuesday, Nick. Right. Um, but one of the major things that's oftentimes lifted up and talked about that that's um, brought up in the uh, elder overseer qualifications, but not in the deacon ones explicitly anyway, is the able to teach or I think in the uh, King James apt to teach. <laughs> um, so th th that's one of those things that people um, think about and wrestle with Nick, uh, able to teach. Uh, what do you think about that in terms of a qualification? Well, again, it plays into it. it, it and again, I, I, I got to watch because I think I'm, I'm putting too much of the, our current culture on the table when I say this, but you know, we've divided up the role of the deacon and the elder uh, in a lot of churches in our denomination to the point where, you know, it's often like, well, the deacons are responsible for the business of the church and the building and all that sort of thing. And the elders are responsible for spiritual matters. So in that regard, if that, if that definition holds true, then yeah, the elders should be able to teach what they know. If they're mature Christians, they should be able to sit with patience with other people and teach that. Um, and then taking into account what you said earlier about, uh, 
you know, it's not just the pastor's responsibility for the congregation. It's the board, you know, it's that, that's that team of people, right. the elders and the pastor being one of the elders. Um, they're all responsible for the maturity of that church. Yeah. So yeah, they should have the ability to teach. They should have the ability, um, maybe the knowledge and the tact to get up in front of the congregation and preach as much as the pastor can any elder. Right. Now, yeah. some people, some people get stage fright. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm not, they might not have the gift to talk in front of a crowd. Yeah. What I'm saying is they should have the foundation of knowledge right. to be able to share it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would personally want to shift, um, thinking away from, cause I think this, this kind of scares off unnecessarily. You know, when we see a picture of what the, what the gatherings looked like, um, they were kind of more like sitting around together in a circle, not a pulpit and a stage and a monologue right. so much. So it's not about, you know, did you take the homiletics class and can you craft <laughs> a well-organized persuasive message with a, you know, an introduction, three points of conclusion, illustrations, that kind of thing. The question is, I think more, and you alluded to this earlier, can you sit down uh, with somebody um, uh, with, 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 with a couple of coffees or something around the table and explain to them the word of God, explain to them these issues, walk them through it when they're mistaken. Can you correct them? You know, do you, do you know it? Um, and I think that's a big part of what teaching is as much as proclamation, although that could relate to it. You know what I mean? But it's not about, you know, you're a great preacher, but it's about your, it's about being solid, right? Right, the elder, the elders, the overseers are expected to be solid because if you're not, how can you oversee? How can you direct if you don't? Because the the path, right, the direction, is the is what Jesus laid out. Yes, what the apostles taught. If you don't know that, how can you oversee? Right, you know, you and, can't. And, you're gonna get and, off track. Yeah, and again, I love I love the road you were going down, uh, or did go down. You know what we are called to in scripture is to make disciples, to be witnesses of Jesus Christ, to live out what he taught us to do. Right. It's not to preach on Sunday morning. It, you know, now that's, right. that's a tool that we use in our, in our society as a form of worship, but our goal is to raise up disciples who can learn to be more like Christ in their own lives. And that right. is a burden of responsibility that falls on the elders. Are you teaching people how to live as Jesus? Right. Yeah. So, Really good point, Dan. Thanks. Yeah, and part of and part of this too, particularly for those, this is to everybody, but particularly if there's some that are listening to elders, or if you have, you know, the elders in your congregation, whatever place you fit in there. Um, in order to be a teacher, you have to be a learner, right? That relates back to our past last time as well too. So you know, for those of us who serve in you know as pastors, who serve as elders, you got to keep learning. Right. And so we're gonna we're gonna try to in our if you're local to us here in the ERC, we're gonna try to provide more and more opportunities. But Nick, what we're doing right now is an opportunity. So if you're sure. an elder, listen to stuff like this, you know, to just continue to wrestle with and learn about more more yourself. Be a learner. Um, okay. So uh, as we're coming up on some time here, what what else do you want to hit on here before we uh? start to wrap up anything particular come to mind there's i mean there's a lot of other stuff yeah i think i think we're definitely going to get into a lot more in the next podcast um because we haven't touched deacons yet so i mean there's a lot more to be said in this in this regard um some of it we'll cover at, on the live on on this coming tuesday um but i think for now that's everything i'd like to cover yeah i mean there's there's a whole uh, issue that we really didn't get into a whole lot nick is that comes up in uh 
in verse four and following, uh, he must manage his own household well, uh, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Um, and, and one of the other logistical things that um, elders and pastors, et cetera, run into is when their kids, uh, oftentimes their adult kids, um, go off a different path, they start to wonder, what does this mean for me? Right. Um, and so it's kind of, I mean, I've got some thoughts about that, but you know, it's interesting that he would, he would bring this up that that's why I kind of, I related back to wondering a little bit if, you know, because in that context in time, the household was more than just a husband, wife, two kids and a dog. <laughs> uh, oftentimes in particularly in, in the uh, wealthier households, uh, they also ran their business out of the house, whatever the people did. There was maybe servants there. There was maybe extended family there. And so there was a lot more uh, pieces to get organized. And so there is a little bit of a nuts and bolts kind of leadership thing in some instance here of working with people, right? Being able to kind of guide and and keep things working together sort of thing that Paul said, I kind of want to see that this person's household isn't a disaster um, as they try to um, you know, oversee the household of faith the church, that there's kind of a practical thing there. And so I, I kind of wonder, as we transition to a different time and place, maybe if a person's um, track record, maybe in the workplace, does have a little bit of carryover. You know, like if you're, like if you're um, you know, if you have people that, that kind of work under you, like what kind of person are you as far as working with them? As, sure. a, character, as a character quality, not like did you bring in big bucks, you know, kind of thing. But, you know, do you, how do you work with people? How do you help to guide and mold people? Um, kind of thing. So I don't know, it's just something to throw out there as kind of a, a point of conversation, maybe into our live discussion. If anybody has any thoughts about that on Tuesday, you can kind of jump in with them. Um, so any case, as we close a lot to wrestle with here, Nick, yeah, we knew um, we knew this was going to be a, a tough topic, and maybe we didn't even cover some of the more difficult topics because, you know, yeah, we'll hit them hit them on the live. Just bring your bring your questions, uh, uh, bring your thoughts, uh, you know, even bring without without you know identifying maybe too much, maybe bring some of the challenges that you've experienced in your church uh, when the system breaks down, um, you know. Yeah. I, I pray that you, those that are listening, didn't have to go through, for instance, a, you know, um, maybe a pastor's divorce while they were at the church or some other issue that might have taken place because that tends to hurt the entire family. So uh, but at the same time, maybe maybe some of our listeners would have something to share of value. So that that'd be yeah. great. Yeah, it's a, I think it's something that we need to take real ser really more seriously than we have. Um, you know, the, these responsibilities and things. So, so folks wrestle with them yourself, um, join us in this process. And, um, you know, I don't think we gave anybody any easy answers, Nick, but we're kind of, we're just trying to shape, I think a culture and a people who are deeply engaged with God's word. You know, that's something that I hope that uh, people would, would come out with that we're pursuing Christ-like character and we're becoming deeper students of the word. I think those are just two big takeaways for me. Love it. So, okay, folks, Perfect. join us Tuesday. Um, we'll see you soon. Bye. Take care, everyone. Thank you.